Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from Epicos Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For more information about Epicos, please visit epicos.org. Well, good morning. My name is Frank. I'm one of your pastors here as my iPad is falling, but I'm glad that you're here. If you have your Bibles, open to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be. And while you're turning, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever had met a celebrity before? Have you ever met a celebrity? And if you did, how awkward was it? Because I feel like 90% of the time meeting a celebrity is not as glamorous as it is. It's kind of awkward. And I want to share about a time where um, I had a very uncomfortable moment when I met a celebrity. Um, when I was in high school, our coach wanted to scare us straight. We were like acting really bad. We were getting suspended, getting in the fights. Our grades were dropping, disrespectful to teachers. Kind of all the stuff you've kind of heard about some football teams in high school. And so he invited the person that was probably the only person that could scare us straight. And that man was by a man named Tommy Lister Jr. Now, you might not know who that is, and that's fair. He was a professional wrestler for a short period of time. He had a small role in Fifth Element, the movie Fifth Element, and he also voiced a character in Zootopia. But how I know him was his character as a gangster and a bully in the movie Friday called Debo. His name was Debo. And so, again, you might not know who that is. I know who he is. And listen, I'm not endorsing this movie. It's a hard R. And, um, but I'm just telling you how I know him. This is my story to share, all right? Uh, Debo walks in with the nastiest grimace on his face, and everybody is, like, scared. All the students are scared. We are, like, sitting up straight. We are uh, putting our jewelry in our, in our shirts because we thought we're gonna get, it's going to get stolen or something. And, like, everyone's just trying to avoid eye contact with Debo. Like, we're all just kind of terrified. And a- a- after, after staring us down for what felt like an hour, he finally looks at us and says, What's wrong with you? I get paid to be a gangster in movies. Why do you work for free? That made every guy in the room melt. We, were, we felt so small in that moment. He went on to tell us all the things about how football gave us these chances, these opportunities to, to change generational poverty, to be the first to graduate from college in our family, to leave our neighborhoods, to be able to get afforded opportunities that usually aren't afforded to people like us. And so we were so caught up with the news headlines about how good we were as a football team that we were missing the why as to why we were even playing football in the first place. And so I've heard someone put it like this. You lose your way when you lose your why. I want you to talk to me right now, okay? I want you to turn to someone next to you, and and if you're watching this, I want you to turn to someone next to you and actually say this. Tell someone next to you, you lose your way when you lose your why. Tell someone. This is what we are going to, this is what we're doing in this small two-week series right now. We are talking about the why and the how of Epicos. When you find your place and your purpose in this church, if we don't talk about the why, why we're doing what we're doing, we make it so caught up doing church that we forget why we are here in the first place. And so, so I want you to grab your Bibles, open Acts chapter 2. I want you to grab this nice little pamphlet with the blue card inside of it. I want you to have it accessible, and we're going to talk about the why here at Epicus. So let's start in verse 37 of Acts chapter 2. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? So let's 
figure out how we got here. Jesus uh, died on the cross. He resurrected, overcoming sin and death. And now, and then he, um, he gathered his disciples and he commissioned them to go and make more disciples. So a disciple is, is essentially a follower of Jesus. It's a person who has put their faith in Jesus and they're modeling their life around how Jesus lived his life. And so Jesus also promised his disciples that the Holy Spirit will come and indwell inside of them. And eventually Jesus ascended into heaven. Soon after, Pentecost happens. And at Pentecost, a bunch of people, thousands of people are speaking languages they didn't know how to speak before. And people were interpreting those languages. And it was an amazing sight to see. And this is to be understood as the moment when the Holy Spirit has finally descended on to believers. And so from this moment on in history, if you put your faith in Jesus, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as awesome as this was, there were folks who thought this was weird and confusing. And there was even some folks that said, it looks like everyone's just a bunch of drunk people. Everyone's just sloshed out their mind. They don't, we don't know what's going on. And so Peter stands up and begins to preach. And he preaches a sermon of his lifetime. He's connecting Old Testament passages to how Jesus fulfills them. He's pointing at them saying that you are the one that, that crucified our Messiah. And everybody was convicted by Peter's message. So much so that they're asking Peter, as we just read, what are we to do now? Verse 38. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourself from this crooked generation. So he tells everyone to repent and be baptized. To repent is to turn away from your sins and pursue and go towards Jesus. And to be baptized is to go public with Jesus. To go public about your faith, about what you believe and who Jesus is and what he has done in your life. Verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So 3,000 people got saved in one day. Because of the preaching of the gospel, 3,000 people went public with their faith in Jesus by getting baptized. This is the birth of the church. People placed their faith and trust in Jesus, and then they began to gather as what we call now the church. And so this church, since it's so close in proximity to Jesus, there are people in this church who saw Jesus, who walked with Jesus. It would be important for us to look at how this church acted and behaved because it would be wise for us to emulate what this church was like. So let's read about it. Verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So let's break that down. The apostles' teaching, in other words, is, is in the early churches, everything that we see in the New Testament. It's all the writings of the apostles that we have access to in our scriptures. They devoted themselves to fellowship, which means that they devoted themselves to gathering with one another um, as believers to encourage each other, to talk about the Bible, and to kind of spur one another on towards Jesus. Devoting themselves to breaking of bread means that they took communion. But even more than that, they just had meals together. They just ate with one another. Eating is a vulnerable experience and meaningful relationships grow when vulnerability is present. And they devoted themselves to prayer. And that simply means they prayed with each other and they prayed for one another. 
Acts, uh, verse 43. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. There was an intense reverence and respect for the Lord, and the apostles were still doing miracles in their presence, pointing them back to who Jesus is and what he's done. Verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So, this passage has brought a considerable amount of like, controversy over the years. Some people will say, you see, this is an early version of communism. And either people don't know what communism is, or they don't understand what's happening here next too. Right? This type of generous giving comes from a place of invitation, not obligation. Right? We get the opportunity to give. We, the, the early church... Uh, uh, was generously, cheerfully, and freely sharing what they had. They served and they gave generously. Communism is government sanctioned, as in the government is forcing you to share what you have earned or what's owed to you. This is not that. This is free generosity with no obligation. Verse 46, and day by day, Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So what we see here is they are consistently worshiping with one another and are gathering in community with one another. This is like not just a once a week thing, but they're like doing this every single day in each other's lives, involved pushing each other closer to Jesus and being generous with one another. So what's the result of all this? Thousands of people get saved. The church is established. They're doing these things. What's the result of all that stuff? Verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So as this early church was being faithful to worship together, to gather and fellowship with one another, to serve with one another, and being generous towards each other, the Lord blessed them, and the Lord multiplied them. And this kind of growth is not simply like there's more people around the church, or there's more people that are hanging out in this community, but it's more people being, their lives being changed by the gospel. They're being transformed by the good news message of Jesus Christ dying and resurrecting for our sins. So that's amazing. Acts chapter 2, very inspirational. What does that mean for us? Well, our mission at Epicos is to make more and better disciples. Our mission is to make more and better disciples. That's the Great Commission, right? If you know the Great Commission, Jesus says to go into the world and making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, so remember what I said a disciple was. A disciple is a person who follows Jesus, a person who puts their faith and trust in Jesus and lives their life modeled after who Jesus is and what he's done. This is our why. Why does that because exist? To make more and better disciples to make more and better followers of Jesus. So the next question is, okay, we understand our why, so how do we do this? How do we make more and better disciples? This is where this super nice booklet that Ashley made for us, this booklet says that we make more and better disciples through gospel-centered worship, community, service, and multiplication. So the missions are why, and this is our how. And you know what this kind of sounds like? Sounds like Acts 2. It sounds like the how, what we're trying to do here in our mission and how we're expressing our mission is us trying to be as close as we can to what we see in Acts 2 with the very people who walked with Jesus. That's what we're trying to do here. So 
what, what all this is, is to help you find your next step here at Epicoast. And for us to become more like the Acts 2 church. The reason why we printed these, bull, these nice little booklets and they have this blue card. The reason why we are doing this mini-series is because the church today in America doesn't always look like the church found in Acts 2. If I'm being honest, I believe the biggest difference between the church in Acts and the church today is that the church in Acts were active participants, whereas the church today are full of passive consumers. The church today is full of church attenders, and the church in Acts are full of followers of Jesus. The difference between a church attender and a follower of Jesus is church attenders know about Jesus. They know about what the Bible says, but they're just passive consumers desiring people to serve them, where followers of Jesus are active participants, actively demonstrating their faith in Jesus. That's the Acts 2 church. And so I want you to ask yourself in your heart, Are you a church attender or a follower of Jesus? Because the reason why we're here, the reason why we're in this series and we printed these booklets is because we want to help you find your next step. Because if you are a follower of Jesus, and I pray that every single person watching this, in this room, everywhere, is a follower of Jesus here at Epicos. And if you are, then my objective today, what we did last week, is to help you find your next step here at at Epicos so that we can be more like the Acts 2 church. So last week, Pastor Anthony talked about worship and community, and the two biggest kind of things that he encouraged us to do is one, for worship, to make weekly worship a habit, a consistent practice in your life. In other words, don't skip Sunday. It's one of the most important days of the week for you to be here at church. And then when it comes to community, we talked about that we want to encourage every single person to join a small group. Make worship a priority, join a small group. Today, if you haven't already done so, In the middle of this booklet where the staples are, with all the pretty pictures, there's a place for you to write down for your own record what your next step is. I want to encourage you, if you haven't done so already from last week, write down the commitments, the next steps that you're going to make to do uh, based on what we learned. Whether that's committing to come weekly, whether that's joining a small group, whatever that looks like, write that down here. And I want you to continue to write down what you think your next step here is at Epicos in this booklet inside here. But today we're going to talk about service and multiplication here at Epicos. So when we talk about service, I want you to remember this phrase. Save people, serve people. Tell, tell someone next to you, save people, serve people. All right, next time when I do this, a little more enthusiasm, please, all right? Save people, serve people. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been saved by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And because of that, you are called to serve others. You you become more like Jesus when you serve other people. Jesus himself says, I didn't come into this world to be served, but to serve others. And so we serve because Jesus first served us. And so when you serve others, you are a conduit, a a connection point of God's grace to other people. Every single person in every area of ministry in this church at all four campuses, if they're serving, they are a conduit. No matter how big or how small the role is, they are a conduit of God's grace for every single person who enters our spaces on Sunday morning. So from the Connections team, who welcomes everyone with great hospitality, to the people who are serving the kids' ministry, who are leading little souls towards Jesus, and and whether it's to our um, behind-the-scenes people, like our cleaning team or our safety team, they're a conduit of God. Some of you guys don't even know that we have a safety team. 
And that's because they're like ninjas in the shadows protecting us. They're doing their job really, really well right now. So let's look at this booklet and look at all the different places where we have different serving teams here. And let's walk through them. The first one I want to talk about is down here. It talks about community partnerships. This can, uh, if you want to know what the different community partnerships at each campus are, you can talk to your campus pastor. But, but some of those community partnerships are not even on Sunday morning. Like at Mayfair Road, we have a food pantry that meets every Wednesday morning to serve the needs of Wauwatosa. And so, so there's different community partnerships that aren't on Sunday morning where you can serve your community. And as you heard a couple weeks ago, we announced that we're doing a short-term missions trip to Mexico, and you can sign up to go on a missions trip. So in other words, you can serve your community, or you can even serve around the world. Some of you should become small group leaders. I want to encourage you that if you've been in a small group for at least one or two seasons, I want to challenge you sometime this week to talk to your small group leader and say, hey, this is a little uncomfortable for me. This is new for me. But could I possibly maybe uh, lead one week in this, set, in this season so maybe I can lead my own small group next season? I just want to get a taste of what it's like to lead. I want to challenge you to do that. But where I want to sit on right now is for everybody. If you call Epicus your home and you are a follower of Jesus, your next step is to serve on a team. It's to serve on a team. At every campus, at every service, there are roles being filled by volunteers that you can see and some of the more behind the scenes that you can't see. And, and we need volunteers for all parts of the campuses. And there's some campuses at some services that desperately need volunteers. And I want to challenge you to mark on the blue card, to mark where it says to join a team, to serve on a team. I want to challenge everyone to do that because we desperately need volunteers. You can go to serve.epicus.org, fill out that QR code there, but, but you can talk to your campus pastor about where you can best be used by your gifting and your talents, but your next step in order for us to be like the Acts 2 church is to join a serving team. If you are not serving right now, I want to encourage you, find a team to serve. There's a spot for you. And if you're already serving, like frankly, tell them we need more volunteers. Here's my challenge to you. Invite someone to serve with you. Every time I come up here, some pastor comes up here and we do the cattle call, like, hey, we need volunteers. There's a place for that. But nothing is as powerful as a personal invite, all right? When you do a personal invite, it changes everything. Invite someone to serve with you. Never serve alone. Now, I know some of you are in here, you're in middle school and high school, you're sitting here and like, this is for my mom and dad, this isn't for me, and you're like about to check TikTok or something. Let me talk to you real quick. There's a place for you too. Right now, like as I'm speaking at Mayfair Road, there are like a half a dozen middle school and high school students serving in the kids' ministry. And right, and like today, there is a drummer at Mayfair Road who played drums today who's 14 years old. He's 14 on the big stage with the big drums. You know what I was doing at 14? Eating bagel bites and drinking Surge. Now, I don't regret that, but I wish I was also playing drums for the church is what I'm saying. All right? You don't have to wait to graduate high school to serve in the church. You are the church of today, not the church of tomorrow. So find a place to serve. Fill out that blue card. Fill out that QR code. And step into serving because everyone's next step here, if you're not serving, is to find a place to serve in a ministry team. Save people, serve people. So let's flip the page from serving, and let's go to this page called multiplication. Here's the phrase I want you to know, I want you to remember. God's people give generously. God's people give generously. Okay, now try again. Tell the person next to you, God's people give generously. 
That was way better. All right. The church in Acts sold their possessions and gave freely what was needed to care for others in the church. And that same section, it said that God grew this church. And so biblical growth means that people are getting saved. In our mission, in our mission statement, when we say we want to make more disciples, we're not saying we just want more church attenders, that we want more people to just sit in our pews and chairs. What we say we want, more, we want to make more disciples is we want to make more followers of Jesus. We want to make more active participants in the kingdom of God. So West Dallas, Sherman Park, and Mayfair Road are all products of multiplication. It all began with, with someone making a, 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 a team of people, a launch team, to leave the campuses where they came from, to go to someplace new, to start a brand new campus that Epicus Church can gather for people to worship in the community. When we launched Mayfair Road, we had a little over 100 people on our launch team. And so starting any church with 100 people is phenomenal. But if you were to go to Mayfair Road today in one of our services, what you would see is that there is a bit more than 100 people from that launch team that are there right now. And what, what happened is uh, it grew. New people started coming from the community, from people's jobs, schools. People were inviting their neighbors. And so God took that original 100 people and multiplied it. And it was amazing. That multiplication happens not by passive church attenders who are just sitting in the pews on Sunday wanting to receive a service and a song, but it's by active participants who are generous with their money their time, their talents, and their energy. So, a part of multiplication, get back to this page. The first thing it says here is invite someone to come to church. Who can you invite to sit next to you next Sunday? I would argue that everyone who can hear my voice right now, for the most part, probably started coming to Epicos because someone invited them to come to Epicos. There's something powerful with an invitation. And so I want to encourage you. Next Sunday, we're starting our brand new series in Colossians. I'm going to be preaching Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And guess what? We're not talking about sex or money. So nothing weird's going to happen. All right? It's a cool day to invite your friends to church because I ain't going to say something weird. All right? Invite them to church. And what's the worst that can happen? They say no. Okay. Move on. Invite someone to church. That would be a big first step when it comes to multiplication. Another thing you can do is share your testimony with someone. And that's because we've created a document, a PDF, to help people learn how to write their testimony effectively. I think your testimony is one of your most powerful evangelism tools that every single person has. And we want to help you figure out how to write your testimony. So on the blue card, write that you want to share, learn how to share your testimony. We'll get you uh, an email that helps you get the PDF to learn what it looks like to write out your testimony and think critically about it. And your campus pastor would love to help you craft that as well. Another thing on here towards the bottom is be a covenant member. And I know maybe you're like, wait, there's a thing of membership? At we don't talk about membership too much. So let me explain it. Because... Um, uh, member, nothing, there's nothing weird about membership. Like, like I think, you know, some people are like, is there going to be like a cool member's jacket? And as much as I wish there was a cool member's jacket, there isn't, all right? And membership isn't like a multi-level marketing scheme where like if you become an Epicus member, you get the tier where you have like sourdough bread and a Merlot for communion. Like that's not a thing either, right? It's not, nothing weird, all right? When you attend a membership class, what you're entering into is like the church and you having a DTR. You guys know what DTR means? determine the relationship, right? Uh, it, it's, it's where we're asking you, so what are we? 
You know, are, are we just friends? Are you uh, seeing other people? You know, we're having a conversation here to say, are we going to commit to one another? Membership is about you and the church committing to partner together to make more and better disciples. The unique thing that members get to do is they get to vote on our annual budget. They get to vote in new elders. And in this unique season that we're in, members will also get to vote in the new senior pastor. But if you're on the fence, and maybe you're thinking, Frank, I don't know, this membership stuff is weird. Also, I've already committed. I come every Sunday. I serve. I'm in a small group. I lead a small group. I do all the things. Like, why do I need to become a member? My question to you is, if you're already doing all the member things, then why don't you become a member? Like, like if you're already doing all the member things, get a vote on things that are actually happening and affecting this church. Let's make us official and be a member. There will be a membership class in November, so if you fill out the blue card that you want to become a member, a covenant member, you'll get an email, you'll get in the loop about all that membership stuff happens, and you'll be able to vote on next year's budget, elders, and of course, the senior pastor that's coming in soon. But what I want to focus on today, in this last page of multiplication, are the two areas that talk about giving. Again, I know talking about money is weird, right? Especially in the church. Like, and it's fair. Like our cynicism is fair because there's like there's these stories of churches where the pastor has taken advantage of their congregation. You see a pastor living a lavish lifestyle while their congregation is living below the poverty line. I once heard of a pastor who petitioned his church to raise sixty million dollars so he could have a private jet because he said he can only do ministry but he can't do it in coach. And it's absurd. It's crazy. We've all heard those stories, right? I want to challenge every single one of you. If you have any cynicism or skepticism in your heart about money in the church, to meet your campus pastor, to meet the staff here at Epicos. Any one of us on staff, from me to our facilities person, would love to meet you for coffee. And I want you to get to know us as people and as the staff here at Epicos. Because I think once you realize that, once you meet us, you'll realize that none of us are living very lavish lives. Like, we're going to get the cheap coffee, not the bougie one. You know what I'm saying? And also, we as a church have a lot of accountability when it comes to money and spending in the church. So I want to encourage you, meet the staff here at Epicos. We often talk about giving and tithing as things we do, but we don't talk enough about what it does to us. So yes, giving does fund the church. It funds the ministry, but giving also realigns our hearts to see money the way God sees money. Every dollar you have is on loan to you from God. You don't own any of it. You are to be a steward of the, of the money that God gives you. So when you give your money back to God, when you give in the offering, you're not giving something he never had. You are giving him something that already belongs to him. And when you place it back in his hands, he is able to do something that you can never do with the money on your own. This is why the early church had no problem selling their possessions and giving their proceeds to the feet of the apostles because he, they knew that this money already belonged to God and what God can do with that money is way better than what they could do with it. What the early church also realized is that they truly believed that God would take care of every need. They took God at his word where he said that if you give generously, God will still take care of you and not only that, that God will bless you. Giving strengthens our trust and reliance on God. The way God blesses you back is not worth comparing how much you give to him because God will always outgive you. 
Now, with that being said, I can see more about giving and, and tithing, but I want to introduce you to, to someone I love. Her name is Auntie Karen. Now, she's not my real aunt, but she's like everyone's aunt. You get what I'm saying, right? She is one of the sweetest people you ever meet, and she has a testimony about giving that I want you to hear. And after that video, I'll wrap everything up. So watch this video. My name is Karen Johnson, and I have been attending Epicos since 2012. I give because it's a principle. When I was a little girl, I was watching my Aunt Sona get all her money ready for church. And I looked at her and I said, Aunt Sona, how can you give so much money? And she said, Karen, you can never outgive God. And I never forgot that. And I've heard that over the years. But it took me a while. I didn't become a committed Christian until I was 30. And it was after that that giving for me became like a principle, a part of my existence as a Christian. And it's like I would give a little and then find that I was giving more. And it was okay. And um, that grew as I grew as an individual in my faith and in my journey with the Lord. As I learned of the need in the world, people's needs, mission needs, it just was to give generously and as generously as I could. And sometimes more than I could. Sometimes it would be like hmm, almost all that I had right now and it, I gave it away, but it was okay because my needs were met. I never went without, so God has been so gracious in my journey. In giving, take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord and put whatever you have back in God's hands because he's given it to you in the first place. So we give it back to him and, and we need to get that listening ear. Like scripture says, my sheep know me, they hear my voice. Well, we can get direction from the Lord in what we're doing in our giving situation also. And be obedient to that. It's the most important thing. Be obedient. Whether it's give a little, give a little. And watch God work. And he says, give a little more, give a little more. And watch God supply the need. It's amazing. Uh, and amazing ways that he works. It's God. I, I, you know, it's just like, what do you, what else do you say? It's how God works and how he, he blesses his people, even when times are very difficult, very difficult. There are blessings in store. Aunt My Karen, name. we coming back? All right. I'm going to just keep talking. Aunt Karen uh, attends Sherman Park, and I hope everyone gets to meet her one day. Uh, but if you call Epicos your home church and you are a follower of Jesus, there we go. If you call Epicos your home church and you are a follower of Jesus, I'm going to tell you what you, your next step is right now. But it needs to be nuanced, all right? If you do not give or tithe regularly, that's your next step. 
Whether, whether it's through setting up reoccurring giving so you don't have to think about it and it just automatically comes from your checking account or whether it is through reoccurring giving online. Uh, sorry, whether, or, or whether you get a checkbook and you, the only reason why you write a check is to give uh, um, in person so you can drop it in the bucket. Your next step is to give regularly. Okay, when I was a broke Bible college kid and I didn't have much money, um, I did the Dave Ramsey envelope system. And what I would do is I would cash my check, completely cash it out. It wasn't very much. And I would count the money and I would immediately take 10% of it and put it in the envelope that said giving. And on Sunday, I would put it in the offering bucket. And the reason why I chose 10% of my paycheck is because in the Old Testament, the tithe that, the, that God required of his people to give to the, to the temple was 10%. And so I thought 10% was a generous place to start, a generous place to begin. So 10% is generous. But here's what I want you to do. If you're just starting your giving journey, what I want to ask you is to just get in the habit of giving. Whether that's 10%, whether that's less, whether that's more, whatever the case may be, it's, it's not so much about the number, but about the heart and about you giving generously and freely of what you can give, all right? So get in the habit of giving regularly. That's your next step if you've never given before. But if you are already giving regularly, here's the next step for you. So we started Root and Built Up back in 2020 to raise money to purchase and renovate Mayfair Road and Sherman Park. And we also need to improve West Austin East Side to be able to kind of shore up the ability to have and maintain four campuses. And so we're in our final year of Rooting and Built Up and we want to finish strong. So we have so far raised from pledges to the campaign $1.5 million so far. And so we are forecast that at the end of Rooting and Built Up that we will have raised a total of $1.7 million. But we need to add an additional $400,000 to complete some projects. Let me explain to you what those projects are. So in the youth room here at West Dallas, it's a war zone, all right? It's crazy. There's some unidentified stains in the carpet that cannot be blamed to me or anyone else. I don't know what's going on in there, but we need to fix it up and renovate it for our students so they can hear and clearly like, be able to be able to hear about Jesus without any distractions. Um, the boilers at Mayfair are in trouble. Like right now, uh, folks in Mayfair, there's maybe some folks wearing a jacket because they're too cold because the AC is too low. In winter, they're going to be too cold because we don't have any heat, all right? The boilers are hanging on by a thread, and I'm nervous they're not going to make it through this entire winter. And then there's the east side. And this is kind of funny, but also not funny. Um, one time we had a big storm, and bricks were literally falling off the building. Like hundreds of bricks. The neighbors behind the Eastside campus have a chicken coop with chickens in it, and bricks were falling from the sky, and I'm sure they were like, this is the apocalypse! Like they're freaking out, because bricks are falling from the heavens. I want to encourage you to know that all chickens were safe and sound, and the building is still structurally sound right now, all right? But we have to fix these buildings. We have to fix these buildings, not just for us, but for the community too. Because when folks walk into our churches, we as a church want to move away any distractions as possible so they can focus on the, 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 the word and who Jesus is and what he means to them. So our hope is at the end of this year, with all the money and the pledges that have been pledged already, with the additional $400,000 that we need, we're hoping to end with a total of $2.1 million. Now I know that sounds crazy. But I believe that God still does miracles. And I believe God most often does miracles through the generosity of his people. All right? 
So if, you're all, if you have not given regularly, now is your opportunity to continue, or sorry, to begin to give regularly. And if you're already giving regularly, I want to encourage you to prayerfully consider what it would look like to give towards Rooted and Built Up generously. To have an Aunt Karen type of faith and trust God with her money. Or an Acts 2 type of generosity that sees the money multiplying God's hands for his kingdom. You can scan the QR code in your booklet um, or, or check the, the box on the blue card. So God's people give generously. We have walked through the different areas of what we hope every single person finds their next step here at Upper Coast. That's prioritizing worship weekly in your life. That's joining a small group. That's joining a serve team or starting to give regularly or also giving to Rooted and Built Up. But I want you to take this blue card seriously. I want everybody at every campus to fill out as much as you can this blue card and when the offering buckets come by, to drop it in. But if you have to, if you're like, Frank, I gotta think about this, I gotta pray about this, take this booklet, take this blue card, take it home and seriously, prayfully consider what you wrote down, all the different options, but promise me, the next week you'll come back and you'll put this in the offering bucket. I promise, I'm preaching and there's nothing weird's gonna happen. Come back and put this in the offering bucket, all right? When Debo entered the room with all the football players, we realized that we were missing our why because you lose your way when you lose your why. And our mission, our why, is to make more and better disciples. And this booklet tells us how we're gonna do it. And and all I wanna do here, all I pray for is that somebody, people can come with me, followers of Jesus can come with me to make more and better disciples here at Epico Church. And so I'm just asking, who's going to come with me? Who's going to come take a next step with me as we continue on this journey to make more and better disciples here at Epicos? Because if you do, if you do take your next step, we won't just read about Acts 2 in our Bibles, but we'll be living Acts 2 every single day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you because you're good to us, you're gracious to us, and you're kind to us. Lord, we trust you that this church is not There's not anyone on the staff. It doesn't belong to any person or any family in this church. This church is your church, and you will do what you please. And we ask you, Lord, as we are are trying to make more and better disciples through worship, through community, through service and multiplication, Lord, we ask that you bless it. But we also ask that you embolden us in this room, everyone who is listening to this, that you embolden us to take our next step to glorify you through the the means that we've created here to be more like your church in Acts 2 so that we can just be your church, your hands and feet, your conduits of grace in this world, in our communities, in our cities, in our neighborhoods. Lord, be with us. We love you and we praise you. In your son's name I pray, amen.